Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who prefers his murder completely without ice cream. Fucking ruins the flavor. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and uh, I prefer all of my murders to be non-existent. I mean, really, all mode could be anything, right? Like it, we, you know, in America, right? It's the thing, but like it could be like, you know, I prefer my murders with. Uh, Longer hemlines or lace around the cuffs, you know, whatever whatever happens to be in the fashion at the moment, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, Murder with Alamod an ice pick. Such a. I really did like the. Uh, I really, really did like the the theme song to Murder Alamod. Yeah, I, so that's the best part of Murder Alamod, right? Is the fact that like they yeah. they fully went like and did the the shitty thing that we uh, <laughs> that like. That we love. That everybody loves, uh, which is like hired somebody to make a fucking theme song that says the name of the of the movie fifty times. It's yeah. the best thing in the world. All movies should be required by law to do it. One hundred percent. Passion of the Christ. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the Passion of the Christ. Or something along those lines. <laughs> I don't know exactly what it sounds like, but I have some ideas. Well, I wasn't a fan of the opera parody. Uh, well, uh, is it, are they not the same story? You tell me. Before we get started this week, I do want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for just a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get access to some bonus content. The best bonus content in the world. Oh, yeah. We do a non-criterion film there every month. Our supporters get to vote on what we're going to watch. Off a list I usually put together, but sometimes supporters put together as well. And if a supporter suggests a list or suggests a particular movie they want on that list and it wins, we love to have them on to talk about a movie that they like. Cause that's it just means they have to wake to up have. at a weird time or and or go to bed at a weird time. That's the price. <laughs> it is true. It is it is incredibly hard to schedule yes. between Pat and I. If you, your own, the really only caveat is we'll take already. it, but you need to wake up at a weird time. If you do not live in one of the time zones we live in, it's, <laughs> it's borderline impossible yeah, it's to get It's borderline impossible, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, fortunately, a few... A few of our supporters are East Coast, North America, so we do get, uh, we do, we we are able to schedule a little bit sometimes, um, but yeah, uh, we do have a lot of fun with uh, with our supporters when they join with, uh, with just the movies we watch over there. It's a it's a good mix of stuff, uh, and you know sometimes I just go insane and the list is very dumb. I, or very, I very, my favorite are uh, the ones where you have to spend 10 minutes before the, after the list is made or after you're about to make it explaining to me the logical pattern <laughs> that you went through to get yes. to the list. <laughs> the string, the string of semi-connected thoughts right. that I have <laughs> it is to get that, from it one idea. 70s TV show on discovery channel, like connections with what James Burke. Yeah, <laughs> that is, listen, Connections is literally how my brain works. It's, it's uh, well, it's, it it's and that's why it's the greatest show on earth, or was one of the greatest shows yeah. on earth. Obviously, it doesn't, yeah, it's not made anymore. And it's um, good news, it's on YouTube. PBS or whoever owns it was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Man. James, 
James Burke put it all. Oh uh, yeah, on yeah, YouTube you're right. Yeah, you're right. It's on his, it's his, on his own yeah. personal YouTube account, which is very yeah. funny. Um, yeah, check that out if you haven't. It. It's a great show, uh, and, and yeah, it's essentially how my brain works. Just uh, just these small connections between ideas. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people with ADHD can relate. Yeah, to that, I, I so. think I think that's what uh, makes that show have such a lasting uh, effect yeah. on the world is the fact that like anybody with certain sorts of like ways of thinking who watch was like you've done a map of my brain why did you do this yeah i can't stop watching uh i can binge watch that entire show like for an entire day and just never let up it's insane oh yeah absolutely uh but yeah we've never watched any episodes of connections as a bonus episode if they made a connections movie james burke get back on is he still alive i don't know if he's still alive he, he cannot be he would be like 120 years old Although he was, to be he fair, he had seventies face, which means he could have been like thirty-five uh, when he made that. He did just have seventies face. He was born in nineteen thirty-six. Yeah, see, there you go. James Burke like is not only still alive; he is only eighty-six he years was old. Seventy years was... old, looking in nineteen seventy when he was forty-five. It's it's a weird thing in the seventies where you're like, see, he's like, oh, that person's ancient. And you find out he was thirty-two years old in the video, and you're like, what? We could probably talk about that in relation to the movie we're talking about this week about some of these people looking significantly older than they that's actually true, are. That's true. I bet Dennis Franz was. I bet Dennis Franz was eighteen in this epi- in this movie. <laughs> the idea that Dennis Franz has always looked that way is 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 one of those things that seems accurate. To be even if it's not true. <clears throat> the terrible thing is that Janice Franz is actually younger than us during this filming. <laughs> yeah, no, I believe. Uh, yeah, no, I, but yeah. only, but only by a year or so. There's a, like there's <clears throat> just a certain yeah. kind of actor who like no, I play a 55 year old man at the youngest. I'm I'm 22 <laughs> years old. But yeah, for just a dollar, you get access to the entire back catalog of our recordings. There's 70 episodes over there of a uh, wide variety of films from Critters Two to. to uh, Ready Player One to... I don't feel like those movies are all that different, documentary. Yeah, they're all... I mean, they're all essentially looks at American culture in its absolute nadirs. But yeah, we do have fun. A little above that $1 mark for folks who can afford it and want to help keep us going a little bit uh, stronger uh, really helps out. Uh, I mean, everybody really helps out. I mean, uh, yeah, just listening. Those $5 supporters... Yeah, uh, really appreciate them and like to thank them on air. So thank you so much to our current five dollars supporters: uh, Eric Coronado, Stephen Goldmeyer, Chris Otto, and Andrew Jarrett. Thank you. Ab- above that, we do something pretty dang special. I think Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard. Uh, once a month, we mail that off with a personalized note from me. And yeah, that's ten dollars and above. Yeah, it's well, pretty great. You should do it because the postcards yeah. are pretty awesome. The postcards are really awesome. Uh, I have, but yeah, no we like idea to thank those folks. Is going to happen? Am I going to draw it on the airplane? Maybe, probably not, though. Frankly, <sighs> oh boy. Um, but yeah, we like to thank those uh, supporters on air as well. Thank you to our ten dollars and above supporters, Adam Speakerman. Tracy McGrath, Nina Bosnack, Jason Westhaver, and Patrick Yako. Yes, thank you. If you want to check out those postcards without committing to that $10 mark, you can head over to redbubble.com, search for Lost in Criteria, and there our store will come up with the past postcards. Well, most of them. I put them up on a little bit of a delay. You can buy them as postcards, as greeting cards, as uh, 
stickers as buttons some of them when the artwork works out uh, but yeah whatever uh if you if you happen to desire that artwork on something you don't see let me know because yeah. redbubble's got a pretty we'll wide selection happen. of uh stuff we could probably make it happen Thank you so much to everyone who has purchased anything off of Redbubble, including the person who bought a card based on the Long Kiss Goodnight just this morning. Got that email right before we started recording. Hey, cool. Thanks to that person. whoever you are. I hope you listen to the podcast and you didn't just, like, go hunting. I mean, I guess it's fine if you went hunting for Long Kiss Goodnight. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. Either way. That's cool, too. I mean, I can't imagine what you're doing, but. (laughs) You do your thing. Uh, it's August. Maybe you're thinking about Christmas cards. How about it? <laughs> I uh, really hope it. I I hope they're not reproducing it themselves. Like I don't really care, but like you could. Yeah. I mean, Redbubble is pretty expensive, frankly. Uh, even when we turn down our profit on it completely, it's still a fairly expensive postcard. So that's fair. Uh but yeah, thank you so much to everyone who's purchased anything over there. Thank you everybody who has supported us through Patreon over the years and special thanks to the people who still do and thank you all to those listening pat this week we got uh a couple of brian de palma films blowout is i mean we got well i mean to be fair the first 10 minutes of both brian de palma films is the same movie so it's fine (laughs) that's fair that's fair that is fair. Uh, Blowout from 1981 is the main release, and then also we'll talk a little bit about Murder a la Mode. No, we're talking exclusively uh, about uh, or, or Murder a la Mode because Mur- I find it <laughs> a funnier thing to talk about. It is funnier to think about Murder a la Mode, but uh, it is a pun. Uh, and we can't undermine Brian De Palma's puns. He'll kill us. I mean, uh, he <laughs> apparently has invisible monster men who can literally walk next, I mean, like at his disposal. Uh also, I'm a bit concerned Always. that he described the person used in the film as being somebody kind of scary in and of themselves. I'm not happy that, like, <laughs> it seems like maybe they just abused a person. But, you know, considering the way the rest of that shot was made, it seems like they abused a lot of people. So whatever. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was thinking, sorry, I was thinking about the, the beginning of um, Blowout. I can't. They yeah, literally the blend together in my head so hard yeah. that I can barely separate them. It's insane. Yeah. Uh Blowout is uh, the last movie John Travolta made before his career collapsed. Okay. Uh, and arguably, arguably his career collapsed because of this movie. Um, most mean, people do blame this movie. I I don't think the movie, I don't think that's necessarily fair. It's got this issues. <laughs> but. An interesting thing about this film and John Travolta's career, and one reason, you know, obviously it's a very bleak movie. It ends in a bleak way. Yeah. Um, but I'd say even through Urban Cowboy, John Travolta is playing young people, uh-huh. like early twenties tops. And this role, he is twenty six, but he's playing someone fairly established in their career. I, to the point where I mean, we get his whole like his lineage, first right, like yeah, he describes his entire this is his life first history. Role. This is his first role where he's really playing an adult. I think uh-huh. maybe that's the problem. I mean, it maybe, could be. Maybe that, honestly speaking, he's not very good at playing an adult. If we're being yeah. totally I honest, I, I don't. I think he's pretty. I do think he's pretty good. I, at this okay, role, but I I'll, think he's. We'll get it. I think it. no. We're to get into it now, Adam. I think he's the weakest of the actors in the movie. 
All right. I think everybody else is outshining him, and I think that is part of the problem. I literally think yeah. every other person in the movie is doing more, like, with less. <laughs> yes, the most lines, and they are the least believable. <laughs> like, I don't know. His delivery is weird. It's fine, but it, it kind of sounds like he's still in, like, Greece or something like that. I don't know. I get where you're coming from. I will say uh, that one of one interesting aspect is that Pauline Kale, who was film critic for the New York Times uh-huh. when this came out, uh, absolutely loved De Palma. was a okay. was a huge proponent of, or not the New York Times, the New Yorker. Okay. Um, Absolutely loved De Palma. Praised every De Palma that came out. Went to bat for De Palma. Uh, so take this with that grain of salt. Right. Uh, Kale describes uh, John Travolta in this movie as uh, channeling a young Brando. Okay. No. Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. I feel. I feel you on that. Yeah. Yeah. No. For sure. But like. But even to a certain extent, lacking some like you know, I don't dislike John Travolta generally speaking as an actor. I think he's eyes ups yeah. and downs. It's fine, whatever. I don't like hate him or something. I'm not like a Travolta like yeah. hater. Uh, but he doesn't have that early Brando like charisma is not quite there, right? He doesn't have the dangerousness I get that. That, that that Brando has, right? Like Brando, like I don't always like a lot of Brando's early stuff either. But like he feels kind of like he might be a psycho who like yeah a little bit so you feel this sort of scariness from him emanating from him and like you just don't yeah. get that from trouble he's not scary he's not he's not got there's no danger to like he's the he's there's you're not even no. worried what's going to happen to the girl when he takes her back to the hotel room because he's just not scary right right because <laughs> Even even though Greece is mostly about date rape, yeah, still, absolutely. But it's not. goofy, funny singing date rape, date rape. So it's like yeah. it's a different vibe. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I I think that's fair. I think Brando Brando when he gets mumbly, even when very young, has a has an almost sense of menace to him yeah, that is no, still very charismatic. Yeah, yeah. But well, he's that that got that sort of it's the it's where the sort of bad by bad guy bad boy thing comes from, right? Is this like yeah. Well, he's very handsome. He's very charismatic. But, like, is he safe? I don't know about that. This guy could be dangerous. Travolta seems Um, totally not dangerous. Yeah. In any case, after this movie, John Travolta's career takes what is considered a downturn, certainly an artistic downturn. Uh, He's still relatively busy, though. Yeah, I mean, Um, of course. not, Not as busy as he'd been, but... You know, uh, eighty three does staying alive, uh, and two of a kind. You know, he's he's doing a bunch of uh, romantic comedies after this. You know, he's got uh, a <laughs> over the course of the next uh, ten years, he's got three Look Who's Talking movies. Uh, but what puts him back up, what is generally considered to put him back on top, uh, or or to revitalize his career, is Pulp Fiction, and Pulp Fiction happens nineteen ninety four. 11 years after this, or 13 years after this, oh, rather. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, and only happens, he's only cast in Pulp Fiction because Tarantino loves this movie so much. I mean, the way that you get into uh, any Tarantino movie is he has some weird 
<laughs> obsession with a thing you were already in. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, Which is weird because John Travolta's that. feet aren't even in this movie. So right, right, right. Uh, at least not that I can recall. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So um, Nancy Allen has a bonus uh, bonus feature on the disc with this, uh, and she talks about how she came to the role. Uh, which is kind of kind of weird. Okay. Uh, she right. was married to De Palma at the time. Right. Yes. The, that's it. I got far enough in that interview yeah. to find out that piece of information. Yeah. But she did not want to be in this movie. Neither of them wanted her to be in this movie. And in fact, as originally written, the main characters of Blowout were both much older, world weary sorts. Which I like. Uh, as a, I think that is. I think that I. I would be interested yeah. to see that. But yeah. But uh, John Travolta had worked with De Palma and and met Nancy Allen uh, when he was in Carrie, because uh, they're both in Carrie, right? Um, and uh, had stayed in touch with De Palma, and you know by this point you know, he's coming off of Travolta's coming off of a real like urban uh, urban cowboy right before this. Grease is huge. Saturday Night Fever is huge. Uh, he's a big movie star right. by this point. And he calls De Palma and it's like, hey, what are you working on? And De Palma, you know, explains the movie. Travolta asks to see the script, reads the script, says, I absolutely want to do this. Absolutely want to do this. And, uh, you know, it's not it's not what he's been doing. You know, this is very different to to all those movies I just mentioned. Right. Um, so everyone's sort of surprised that John Travolta wants to do it. Uh, but John Travolta says, hey, uh, I want to do this. Is Nancy going to play uh Sally and uh, that's the that's the first time anyone <laughs> thinks about Nancy playing Sally mm. uh so they rework the whole script so that everyone's younger Nancy says she'll do it because she loves working with John Travolta uh which is weird uh but <laughs> it's a weird sure. thing that people say sometimes uh, it doesn't make the, the... yeah yeah uh so that's that's how the casting comes together uh for our leads it is uh, a remake of Michelangelo Antoni's Blow Up, which I think we'll eventually watch. Okay. Uh, but really? I don't In actually... the Criterion Collection? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, it's an Anto- Antonioni movie, so I I would think it's probably in the Criterion Collection. Uh, it is Spine 865. There you go. So we'll eventually, eventually see 865. Um, Five million years from now. It's, yeah. It's also based on a joke. Uh, that De Palma made in Dress to Kill, right? Um, yeah, yeah. When, uh, when uh, somebody somebody references uh, enlarging a picture, and somebody makes a joke about the end of Blow Up, and how the picture won't be, it'll be too uh, too blurry to tell what it is anyway. Um, it's uh, it's. I mean, we're we're talking early '80s, late '70s. It is in that vein of political assassination thrillers. Yeah, yeah. I that, mean, and uh, it's got the it's got a lot. You know, it is very much akin to all of those, right? It's got. It, I will say that it because of something about the way that they've maybe it's because it starts as a joke. I don't know, but the way it sort of takes the uh, the political assassination thriller, it's a little hard to read it entirely seriously. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Absolutely. It's a goofy, like, it's a kind of a goofy premise. Um, all things being equal. I mean the 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 premise of the assassination itself, in in context, is that uh, 
John Lithgow's character, Burke, is hired just to shoot out the tire. Right. Or just to It's just to, to cause like to cause it to something. Like, make it so that people can take pictures of it, right? Like of them together, yeah, right? To do something to get pictures of them together. Uh and he takes it upon <laughs> yes. himself to escalate this to an uh, to a political well, assassination. So, well, so like it's weird, right? Because like <laughs> It, we don't get a full we don't get a full um, a full accounting of it, right? We just get what he says on the phone, right? Before the person yeah. who is ultimately responsible for what happens sort of disavows him, right? Um, right. He he kind of like indicates like, well, I talked about this in our meeting, and the guy's like, w- but I said no, <laughs> I said no to this, uh, and like yeah. it's so funny because like. He, uh, the, I, yeah, it's like, but also, like, he sort of seems like this was an accident, though, also, right? Even, like, the way he's talking on the phone, it's like, well, this was what possibility we talked about. But it also does seem like he just thought the car was going to, like, crash into the guardrail and, like, be stuck And everyone would be fine. Yeah, and then, like, they would have to call a tow truck or some shit. And then, like, everybody would see the thing that happened, right? I also do get the feeling, uh... Just something about the way Burke is played. Uh, just feels like a guy who found that watch Garrett in the back of like a magazine, and and just thought I'd be, be really assassin. cool if yeah. if I killed I could kill somebody with that. Yeah, no, totally, totally. I mean, like yeah. he's let's be clear here, clear here, the best character in the movie. Yeah, because absolutely. he's the only thing. Unhinged. He's sort of the glue, right? Like he's the thing holding it all together. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and one one thing I find interesting in the in, with Burke in the political context that this film exists in uh, is also this idea of once you introduce the idea of political violence, you can't control it anymore. Right, right. Uh, and you know, I'm not I'm not saying that to suggest, and I certainly don't think De Palma is suggesting that. Uh, the assassinations of the Kennedys or of MLK were accidents, right? <laughs> of just someone getting a little too, too yeah, excited. I was just trying to shoot out the tire. To well, yeah, and yeah. I mean, like, to be fair, uh, like, the Palma is, like, you know, he's making, he's especially directly talking about the Kennedy assassination, right? He talks about, right, like, right, that is right, being right. a big sort yeah. of, uh, um, whatchamacallit, um, influence on, like, there's so many pictures, right? right? So could you, like, this idea that's, like, become an obsession for a lot of people over history, which is, like, could you, accurately completely reconstruct the thing uh right to the point where other people have made movies about that thing right like doing that thing to that one specifically like it's it's an obsession right and like and you can see like a sort of microcosm of that obsession with travolta here right like he becomes obsessed with the idea that like i have enough information here to reassemble this thing right uh right like as though that means something like as though that is a is a thing that means something really you know that like and yeah. he kind of finds out that it doesn't really mean a lot, right? That, like, having that reconstruction is doesn't, like, suddenly give him the power to, like, make things right, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, he, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, of course there's a person actively working against him, but, like, you know. Right. Right. And in, in that regard, you know, this is also a sort of spiritual successor to The Conversation, another movie I believe we will eventually watch in the Criterion Collection. Um, and it's, there's another spiritual sequel to the conversation. Maybe the conversation is in the Criterion Collection, actually. It doesn't look like, anyway. 
Um, but uh, that's a movie we should watch sometime. Uh, a spiritual successor to the conversation, the Will Will Smith movie, Enemy uh, Enemy of the State. Yeah, yeah. Um, or uh, or even that I mean, Mel Gibson movie. There's a million movie, of those movies, theory. right? There's a million of the I'll, state is I'll deal, me. I'll deal with this sort of, yeah, because I know I have much, information yeah. that I don't even necessarily know that I have. I mean. Right. So I guess in That's, that context, I don't think I've ever actually seen it, but presumably the ma- the man who knew too much is in conversation with this fucking <laughs> topic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, the conversation is a Coppola film and it stars Gene Hackman. It's really fantastic. I don't know; it should be in the Criterion Collection. It doesn't appear that it is. Um, but uh, we could do an entire list of movies. In conversation with with, with, conversation. Blowout, with uh, blowout, if we wanted, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's this idea of uh, obviously we're sixteen years after the well, not sixteen. What was it? Sixty? I don't ask me. When was Kennedy assassinated? I don't know. Uh, we are we are far enough after it though uh, that. Uh, these sorts of people exist, right? Right. No, totally. I mean, these people, these sorts of people. 63. So we're, we're 18 almost years instantaneously, yeah. right? Like, that's not part right. of the whole thing, right? It's like, and every every political assassination has these people, right? They just, right. They, they, right. It's, it's almost unavoidable. Do you think there is try- someone trying to uh, reconstruct the Lincoln assassination from the from the telegraph <laughs> to Garrett's. Uh yeah, I mean like <laughs> certainly like I I guarantee you that no matter what the topic like no matter how far you like whatever happens to be the things you could like put together. Conspiracy theories I'm saying yeah. what I'm saying is conspiracy theories are like an eternal concept. Oh, they're like, Yes. You'll never yes, not absolutely. have them. Uh it just depends on like what materials you have at your disposal, right? And sometimes there's a real conspiracy. Oh yeah, like, not, like it's, it's important to know that the government... word conspiracy theory does not imply necessarily that this yeah. that the thing didn't happen. Right, 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 right. It's a very important um, thing to bear in mind. Yeah, yeah, but uh, anyway, Burke's Burke's character is just getting getting too excited about this whole thing, and and even his boss being, hey, maybe don't. Yeah, like uh, could you just not do this, right? Uh, can yeah. we stop the murders? Um, uh, apparently not. I I do like that idea. Very, though. I think I will say that that's that's sort of that, it is some of the goofiness that the we way, talked about, but it's also some of the best fun yeah. of the movie is the idea that this guy is like, well, you're no longer the reason I'm doing this, right? And the way he escalates it to, well, then I needed a cover for the second murder, so I decided to commit a whole bunch of other murders to make it look like a serial killer, uh, I, like. I love I love the phrase to make it look like a serial killer, implying that there's not actually a serial killer and it's him. Yes, You've killed a yes. bunch of people in a similar way over a period of time for whatever purpose. You're it doesn't a matter the purpose. You're now. a serial killer. Like that's what you did, right? Like it's so yeah. funny. It, the entire thing. And it's just John Lithgow is yeah. so it's so easy to read John Lithgow as like the kind of that kind of maniac. It works so well. It's so yeah. easy. He's so good at it. Right, Just being right, a right. completely deranged yeah. individual. Right, yeah, we've we've talked about that before too. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I just I get I keep getting stuck on thinking about uh, 
just his reaction and thinking about our current political context of of having people who are actively actively encouraging uh monstrous acts of violence uh for political gain yeah i yeah uh, i mean and and, who, and it is fair who, to say that 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 you cannot ever unring that bell right yeah right who who would never would never have a direct phone call with their with their assassin and say hey i didn't ask you to do this but would try to maintain that they did not ask them to do this in public right right uh yeah no it's it's it is a very uh i just feel like his character is very prescient I yeah guess. no he is it's absolutely funny. yeah no i mean yeah. well right because like we i think maybe the I like that the fact that this is because it is a it is a product of its time. It is a direct actual conspiracy, right? Like it is a right. this person asked this other person to do this thing, right? Which is in line with like right. the 70s, right? It's you got Watergate, you got all you got all these actual conspiracies that took place, and we you know, and some of them are theoretical at the time, we now know that they were real. Uh uh but like yeah. you know, it it is also we don't it's also fun to think, you know, not fun, but it's like interesting to think about the fact that like we know that like you can have these sort of same outcomes with, as you pointed out, like without anybody actually calling anybody on the phone. Right. Uh, right. By, you know, calls for violence and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Right. By just giving a speech where you ask them to stand by. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, yeah. It's just you know, it's very much of its time, uh, and not just it's technologically of its time too, right? Oh yeah, and it, and that's kind of a fun technology, right? You got this like big reel to reel tape recorders, which are fun to like watch, right? From a you know, yeah. they're, they're, it's a, it's like it's such a physical version of this thing, right? Which I I like a lot. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, the physicality, materiality of what he's doing. Obviously, uh, you make this today, and it's all digital, and it takes five minutes. <laughs> there's no there's no sending the... T- right, you're just, like, looking at waveforms, and be like, all right, this is here, this yeah. is here, good to go. Now, that does also mean that uh, today, uh, such a piece would be easier to disseminate. disseminate. Uh, and and much harder to destroy, um, but as 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 we can see from history uh, of the last twenty years, uh, even getting this information out there in the sea of information that is out there doesn't mean anyone's going to react to it. And maybe everyone in the world will know and still be like, "Ah, eh, what are you going to do?" Yeah. Oh well. Well, and the thing about it is, is also bearing in mind that we've also the world has gotten a lot easier for this to also just be totally fake, right? Like that's the thing we can just right, right, completely right, right. do. It's been a thing we've been able to do for a long time, uh, you know. Well, but even in this day, it. like Jack they talk it about. It. Well, that's what I mean. It's like it, that 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 has gotten easier, right? That that doing that right. has gotten easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Another. A thing about production that makes this uh, a product of its time is the uh, whole intro five minutes of this that is shot as one of one of the first films to use a steady cam. Right. It's uh, so funny that that's like what it is. Right. That's so. 
Yeah. What a like what a well, fittingly silly you know, thing, right? Do you know the very first movie to use the steady nope. cam? It's actually very Hal Ashby's biopic of Woody Guthrie, Bound for Glory, is the first movie to use a steady Really? Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, they use it as he's walking as he's walking through one of the uh, one of the labor camps in California. They they follow him, uh, follow Guthrie with it, um, or the character playing Guthrie, who is uh, one of the Carradines, I think. John, um, I don't think it's David. Anyway, I can't remember. Um, it's a good movie though. Uh, but yeah, so so that's uh, I think seventy four, seventy six. Um, the guy who invented it gets uh, gets an interview on the DVD. Um, his name is Garrett Brown, uh, and he he shot. He invented this, but he didn't necessarily like he didn't shoot the stuff for Bound for Glory. Um, he didn't shoot the rest of this movie, uh, but he did shoot the Steadicam sequence at the beginning of this movie, which is. A particular, <laughs> you missed one of my favorite things. I know you didn't watch this. One of my favorite know, things I, he does sad about that, uh, actually, in this interview but... is that he, j- he takes a jibe at Halloween. <laughs> because obviously this entire intro sequence is a uh, is a reference to the Halloween point of view shots. Um, because Halloween, uh, the first two Halloweens particularly, whenever Michael Myers then just referred to as the shape um, in the credits, he's never named on screen. Uh, but uh, Carpenter shoots Michael Myers stuff from from Michael Myers' point of view. You know, he's you know we see the murders take place from that point of view. Uh, we see him sneaking around from that point of view. Uh, and Garrett Brown says he watched that and it's too wobbly. It's unnatural. <laughs> it's not. It's not the way someone would actually walk. So he he was excited when he was asked to do this opening sequence for blowout because he thought I'm going to do better than the Halloween one. And I'm going to really show him up with my steady cam. And then he got there and found out that they were shooting a parody of Halloween. Right. Uh, and that, and that it needed to look bad. <laughs> and, That's funny. Uh, and he was a little, well, disappointed. it's kind of an interesting <laughs> thing, right? Because like he's, he's, yeah, I, I really wish I had watched that. I really wish I had had the time. Yeah. Uh, he's right. And he's wrong. Right. Because yes, you and I see, it's it's weird, right? Because we do our vision does have a little bit of wobble in it, but uh, not yeah. very much. But it all because of the way our brain just sort of edits out all the the insane amount of right, jostling right, right, our right. eyes are actually getting. Right, your 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 eyes are being like fucking sent to the ringer every day, and your brain's like, no, 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 no. This is this is no good. <laughs> we will now we will edit yeah. all that out. Thank you very much. So it's, you know, right, it's, right, right. the non-city cam shots are really interesting that way. They do make me feel like I want to throw up a lot of time when they're not city cam. <laughs> like, I agree. Yes. It is too wobbly, but, you know. Uh, yeah. It's just an interesting thing. About and, of it. course, of course, for for what De Palma once done in the sequence, the steady cam is too steady, right? Right, right. <laughs> so well, and, 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 you know, brown... legitimately, a lot of people actually, it, it sort of comes, I've heard people complain, like, steady cam can, in generally be too steady anyway right like people can find it a bit unnerving right right? because it just never wobbles right it's like fucking solid as a rock it's like well that doesn't feel right either yeah meet me halfway please yeah right so that's essentially what he what he has to do here is is meet you halfway yeah sort of fucking wobble it up tapping tapping the camera while while he's going through you know um 
the other thing about a steady cam shot, and obviously very true for this shot, is that the whole thing has to be choreographed pretty right. explicitly uh, to to be reacting with the actors in the space correctly. Uh, I think it's De Palma in the bonus feature that is him being interviewed by Noah Baumbach um, says that when they were shooting this, every time they did a new take, they'd add they'd add something. Yeah, like. Uh, which is why, you know, by the end of this, this is this is the most sex per second of any slasher film. Yeah, no, it's era, like, well, it's right? like they, 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 it's funny. It is an interesting, it's a funny thing, right? Like they, they like, yeah. they keyed in on one of the elements of that, that medium, right? And we're like, well, let's turn this to 11 and just like, yeah, it's just like every room in a row, it turns into some sort of like weird porn theater almost it's uh right he doesn't go into the shower room quite yet so he ducks into someone else's room to hide from someone and that person is masturbating yeah it's just yeah it's just like you can you can feel the like his description though like his description feels accurate right like well then we just sort of added more right we just kept adding to it right oh well we can't have a moment away from that uh in this so here we go yeah um Brown also, I mean the man. The man invented the study cam. He invented the sky cam for football games. The dive cam for Olympic di- and diving. Uh, he has every right to be uh, to believe himself a genius right. because he is right. Uh, but uh, but he also in in talking about coming to blowout, he says, of course, you know, I just I just finished The Shining, and so I was in good practice shooting because Stanley does a lot of takes. And it's just like this very name droppy sort of, and then and then his insult to Carpenter, I just felt I was very turned off by. Well, I I get that. No, I I yeah. I mean, he's well, like the thing, right? Is he's a genius about a very specific thing, right? Which is making cameras do weird things the cameras don't want to do. Right, right, and like that doesn't mean he's good at other stuff. Right, yeah, like, 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 like talking to people. Yeah, like, like or like having opinions um, about other other artists. Right, like you know, he's yeah, you know, apparently maybe doesn't have always, you know, the best insight into who's good or bad at doing a thing. But you know, I mean, sure, shit knows how to right, make a right. camera and make it do yeah. things. Uh, listen, I guess if I worked with Stanley Kubrick, I might. Oh, I mean, I like every you know, that's John just Carpenter. a general complaint that so, I think a lot of people um, have. But, yeah. right? but I mean, you know, that is, you know, you, uh, you know, you 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 don't you don't talk about it, right? You don't bring it. Yeah. Right, and obviously the thing is, as much as Garrett Brown might have been insulting to Halloween and Carpenter's work, uh, De Palma obviously is not. No, De no, De Palma really parody. has an affection for. Yeah. This guy's, yeah. I mean, of course, you know, you have to, right? To make that this kind of like a sort of parody like this, you have to, you have, yeah. you have to at some at some core level, like kind of like the thing, right? Like even if maybe you think it's a little right. ridiculous or something. Yeah, yeah. So that I uh, I was a little hesitant when I started watching this because I know that that sort of slasher movie is not a movie you enjoy. And I wasn't sure where things were going. Uh, me too. At that I point. no, that was a real uh, a real thing. I, I, it's a difference. There's a different sort of thing going on because I don't like horror movies. I just dislike slasher movies. Not in the same way that I don't like horror movies. Right. I find slasher yeah. movies to yeah. be annoying. 
yes. the things that the things that Brian De Palma is talking about in in, in are annoying to me. Like I find the entire premise kind of annoying. Uh, and so I was getting a little concerned. I was like, oh my god, is this just going to be this the whole time? Fucking shit. It does me. keep going too. It does for a while, yes, because uh, it's you know. It is an over five minute long sequence to get us to one punchline. Yeah. And yeah. that's that the woman can't scream right. Right. It's a uh, good punchline. It's funny. The scream is yeah. goofy. Uh, it's very silly. So like uh, it, it, it pays off. There, I, I find I don't know. I, I did kind of enjoy it because I got a little bit I kinda of waxed and waned on it because on the one hand, I don't really like slashers, and so I was like, this movie isn't a slasher. This isn't the description that was read to me in the... like. Well, actually, that's not right, true. Right. I didn't exactly go through that because I had already watched uh, Murder All Abode. I was like, well, I know what's I going on here. Uh, I've got the premise now. Uh, so because I kind of was like prepared myself that this wasn't yeah. like real. Uh, but at the same time, I was like, well, you know, you can't... Even if you prepared yourself, you can't completely let go of the idea like wait, am I going to have to watch an entire movie of this? Uh, but then again, at the same time, you're like watching it and you're like, you see how stupid the idea that like nobody can see him even though he's like four inches away from them? And you're like, well, this can't go on for too long because like this movie right. just can't be made, right? The movie that they're making is too stupid to be real. Yes. Um, the similar parody of, of uh, Giallo uh, and that sort of horror trope that happens in Murderella mode, where uh, particularly when we get Otto's point of view and see that the car really is just two feet behind him, and right. she thinks that she thinks that she's sneaking up on him without being noticed. It's is very, I, I, very the funny different as well. the sort of like uh, Murderella mode as a sort of like very very strange like uh, like um, Murderella mode is a is a really odd odd movie like. I don't. Yeah. Li- I do not like murder it's, all mode. If I'm being honest, I like parts of it. I don't like all of it. Um, but yeah, it is very much a parody of uh, giallo films, that Italian horror, um, or giallo. I, I don't. I have no idea how to pronounce it, honestly. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's mostly yeah that that is a genre that is frequently about. Uh, a beautiful model gets a job that is actually her being murdered. <laughs> um, okay. You know, See, I'm not, I'm not pretty super familiar, familiar with those like yeah. tropes. I was mostly focusing in my mind on like the fact that it's like got a weird sort of Rashomon thing going on. Where like, oh yeah, you yeah. get to see a bunch of different yeah, perspectives, Rosh- which I which I like as a general premise. Ninety percent of the time, I yeah. Although I mean, I I, I like it when people do weird things with it. Um, I don't. This one's not great. <laughs> that I'm not defending Murder Alamod as a good movie. Right? No, no. It's yeah. bad. Yeah. But I understand what De Palma's trying to do and the references he's right, made. right. And and um, I'm I'm not familiar with it. I, like Murder Alamod, I'm yeah. not familiar with those references because I've never watched any of those kind of movies. It's not my cup right, of tea right. for sure. Yeah. Um, there's no reason. But I I found it I you found don't it like slasher interesting films. Those are Italian in slasher some ways. <laughs> I I I, th- I did think like oh uh, well this is like a pretty goofy thing going on and like some of the some of the perspectives are interesting and some of them are not, right? I right. I find autos to be interesting in premise, annoying as shit to watch. 
just a yes. fucking nightmare to watch. Just like one hundred percent. You know, it's yes. just like fucking stop. Like, please save me. I'm so and tired then, of hearing his then, weird mumbly voice. I'm sitting in my yeah. fucking office watching that. It's a nightmare. Uh, and then and then they artificially elongate it. Like in the in the part where he's climbing into the trunk himself and he keeps falling out. So yeah, they make it into like a comedy. It's like oh god, yeah. shoot me now. And I'm, you know, look at him as a character. He is meant to be all of the Marx Brothers rolled into one, right? right? right. Uh, but yeah, he just I mean, he just his stick wears thin way before he's done, right? Like there's so right, much of right. him, and his stick is like not interesting after like five minutes, and you're like, oh my god, is this ever going to end? But, like, that's the thing, right? The problem is is that his perspective is the one w- uh, at which the entire thing sort of, like, hinges suddenly, right? In a lot of ways, right? Because right. we find out, like, we don't find out until we get to his part that he's not in necessarily an intentional murderer, right? Uh, but right. then, but then you know, the next one, we find out the sort of, like, the full... It, in that way, it is not Rashomon because it... Um, we actually find out the truth, right? We get more and more information yes. to the point where we find the sort of absolute truth as we go through. Uh, whereas, yes. like, Rashomon, obviously, we don't know the truth when we're done, right? Uh, it doesn't matter right. because that's not important. Um, but, um, yeah, like, he... Um, it's just unfortunate that he's also just such an annoying character. <laughs> that, yeah. like, finding out the sort of what information is on offer is annoying to get to. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, Vincent Canby's uh, review of that movie in the New York Times said, there's a limit to just how far this sort of playfulness can be carried. Yeah, uh, I and, I agree. Uh, and I, I definitely agree. Good, good review. Agree. You are correct. Yeah. This is, you know, normally I am, uh, just because of, how much material it is and the way we've decided to to cover things for this podcast i'm not incredibly happy when they give us an entire other film yeah on the dvd uh i am sort of glad Me that too. this wasn't its own standalone thing yeah i know having to watch this i don't thing know that we could have talked for an hour about. Like, as its only thing <laughs> yeah um and yeah. also, I uh, I think it, it actually like sometimes they do a decent job and it is a decent appetizer to the the main movie in the sense that like, well, a, yeah. you, you get an idea. Like, obviously, like I said, the, the beginning of uh blowout becomes way clearer because of, because of murder all about, right. You're like, right. Oh, he's done right. this move part of the movie already before. Uh, but then, yeah, but you, then again, you watched them in oh, that right, order, sorry. right? You watched them in that. I order, did watch correct? them in that order. You watched I, murder Alamot first. I, then, I, whenever yeah. possible, I try to watch things in chronological order because I figure like, that's the way in which it got made. And there's a certain sort of yeah. like, you hopefully can see through lines between a person's older work and their newer work, right? And you can, 100%. And it's not yeah. just that opening scene. Like, Blowout feels in some ways like it has a lot in common with Murder All Mode in sort of like perspective shifting and like revealing information to the audience sort of slowly over time. And... and and I don't know. And some of the goofiness too is still there, right? Like <laughs> later on in Blowout, Blowout has some of that. And and you know they're not like one for one or anything like that, but you can kind of feel that like, oh yeah, these are definitely made by the same person. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's 
it's interesting. Um, obviously, both uh, both of these movies owe something to Hitchcock, right? Of course. Um, yeah. There is, I think it's Frenzy. Frenzy is a late Hitchcock film, and and most of most of Hitchcock's late films are not great. Um, <laughs> he definitely hit a career decline after, say, The Birds. Um, but, uh, but Frenzy almost is a Gaio film in itself, uh, or Giallo film in itself. Um, so, uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, this is not any sort of plot reference, you know, uh, Murder Alamod is not a, pro- a plot reference to Frenzy, but, uh, but in as much as Blowout is, uh, a more straightforward Hitchcock, um, or, you know, uh, Sisters that we watched years and years ago. The first De Palma we watched in the Criterion Collection is is a straight up Hitchcock, uh, right? Uh, homage really throughout. Um, De Palma obviously really respects Hitchcock and and uh, respects his work, but Murder Alamod is more that Italian horror thing, and you know Blowout obviously starts with that American slasher uh, version of that, and then moves on to oh this was just a fiction and our story is actually about the sound guy on this movie right (laughs) yeah uh, yeah um you know it's fun i find it fun it is i I, i do i think like a lot of the premise of like of of the whole thing like the movie is like it's got a certainly a sort of playfulness to it that that like i generally like like it's just it's right on the edge right constantly of being like for me being like well is it too playful like i'm not like you know yeah. like, a, like i'm not trying to be like real down on it but like and sometimes yeah. it's like well did, did we go too far did we get a little too goofy here for a little while and not just at the beginning but like throughout the movie it kind of like it kind of can't to a certain extent make up its mind if it wants to be a a thriller or kind of a a little bit i don't even know what you would call it it's not i don't know what the the genre would be but a little bit more goofy and something almost like slightly comedic right yeah, I think there's something about Blowout that feels like the sort of movie I would want to make. Uh, but in me making it, and I think maybe in De Palma making it too, there are decisions that are actively alienating the audience. Right, yes, yes, yeah. That first five minutes, ten minutes of John Travolta doing field recordings. Uh, yeah. Like, and yeah, it's a slow burn to, to, well, and also just like, the, po- to yeah. the punchline of both those scenes. But it's a right? little bit too long. But, and then also you combine that with the fact that yeah. like some of the effects in it are goofy and stupid. Like, yeah. I don't care what you say. Like, like no audience is ever going to look at that fucking owl shot and be like, yep, that's cool. They're all going to look at that and be like, this is stupid <laughs> looking. This looks stupid. <laughs> that looks like that looks like a velvet painting. Yeah, it is. It is. Yes, yeah. It does. You're right. Uh, you're right. It absolutely does. Somebody should have that hanging on their wall. 100%. It is just so, yeah. like, there are so many things like that in this movie, though, kind of sprinkled throughout. Where, like, he, like, he has a sort of, like, doesn't know necessarily 100%, like, when to edit himself and be like, well, this is a dumb idea. I shouldn't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um,. And then also, it's this isn't an alienating aspect of it, I, I suppose, but it's also a love letter to Philadelphia in, in a weird way. Too, right, right, right. We get so much, so much Philadelphia geography, particularly um, 
the sequence the sequence with the helicopter shot where uh they drive the jeep through uh Penn Square uh I loved absolutely loved right. I thought it was great um I was in Philadelphia last September and I walked through that area uh and uh, if I had watched this movie before that, I would have been. You were like, uh, "Oh, I'm in the place." About how I'm, Somebody take hey, a picture I'm, of me. I'm in the place that, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, while it's while it is in narrative justified as something else, uh, we see the Mummers Parade, which is a famous sort of avant-garde leaning uh, weirdo parade in Philadelphia, uh, which. <laughs> Here, here we sell that. Yeah, there's crazy costumes, but also there's a man marching with a standing bass, which right. I found very funny. It's just great. And he's right in the center of the frame, and he's wonderful. Um, the weird thing about the whole parade sequence is uh, that footage was stolen on its way to L.A., and they had to reshoot it all. Wow. Okay. Every everything shot during the parade sequence. Um, Somebody was, just said, uh, what do you what do you steal footage for? Like it's nobody already knows, been shot. Knows like it's like it. you can't reuse the shit. Like the people the people who stole it almost certainly did not think know what they were taking. Uh, De Palma describes it as it was being transported to L.A. and uh, stopped for gas. And while they were stopped for gas, somebody so, got into one of the so boxes just stole and stole the a couple film. of reels. It's so well, you know this is a case. You know who this is a case for. Martin Scorsese, film time cop. Uh, yes, yes. Or time film cop. I'm not sure percentage. which order those adjectives go in. Um, he's some sort of cop, I think. Or detective. I think I like detective better. I like to picture maybe Scorsese as more of a, a more of a Columbo or your Perot or somebody like that yeah. uh, figure rather than a cop. I don't think Scorsese would actually like shoot you. But he sure as shit would like get you in a room it? and then talk at you for a while. What if it's not Scorsese solving it? What if we're in the middle of Scorsese uh, finding? Oh, he already this found it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no the, Mummers Parade because he's the one who didn't stole it. Shoot it! It just found there was, it. Yeah. There was no. <laughs> that the, the, there was no there was no theft. He just. Oh right! Yeah, <laughs> no, no. He like now. yeah. He undid it. He he time copied out yeah. of existence. I like it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, it's uh, the Mars Parade is really fun. I, th- I think the entire climactic sequence of this is really great. Um, obviously, the there's the stakes of uh, of Jack thinking, oh, the the wire thing will actually work this time, <laughs> um, and then chasing, and then immediately losing her. I yeah, I find that uh, all very and interesting. never yeah, like it's it's like yeah. That is a fun, like, again, I use the, fun, the word fun in a weird way, but here, but like, yeah. I like that idea of him being like kind of committed to the bit and it just never really, <laughs> like, how many yeah. times will you try this? It's the, you know, it's the one thing he knows how to do. He, he right. believes himself an expert in it and, you know, he's an expert in aspects of it, certainly. Um, but, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, at least it didn't, it at least work. it didn't electrocute her. Um, you know, right? it's just, you know, uh, it, you know, it just didn't help either. Right, it's a he he is getting better at it. It's just costing a lot of people their lives as he sort of hammers out his art his art form here. Right, right, right. Yeah, um, and then you know his obviously he doesn't save the day, uh, though he does still get to murder Burke. 
uh, and commit immediate revenge uh, and then leave things in a way that uh, that it looks like Sally managed to kill her attacker. Right. And it's therefore, a, it's an he interesting doesn't have to choice, worry about... Right? Like, I don't know. It's a weird yeah. one, right? To, like, sort of, like, leave it hanging, like, decide that, like, there's nothing to be gained or good about, like, revealing the truth about actually what happened. Like... Right. It, not just well, to her, but to, like, know, it, in the, the, the conspiracy that he was obsessed with, right? Like, her death essentially, yeah. like, ends the conspiracy for him. He's no longer right. interested in it is, being involved in it. He now knows how fruitless it is to pursue this truth, because earlier he had specifically said, uh, you know, it is the truth. So therefore, it is it is good that this should be known um, as he's talking to the governor's assistant or whatnot. Uh, you know, he puts himself into this self-flagellation for all future views of this movie by using her well, screen to, be to fair, constantly he's not remind watch himself of his failings. But, um, who no, <laughs> yeah, I don't actually get the impression that he watches these movies. Yeah, it's a weird one, anyway. right? Because, like, but, you get the almost yeah. the sort of sense that, like, he's trying to, like, immortalize her, right? It's like, it's a, it's a form yeah. of, like, extending her existence out past, like, where, you know, since it was cut right. short. But, like, what a shitty place to immortalize somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing, right? Is that, like... I kind of get the sentiment, and like you're, I think you know, as an audience, right? We're supposed to be kind of dis, we're supposed to take away a sort of sense of disappointment, right? That like, well, that's not much of it. That's not really much of a eulogy, right? That's not much of a a memor- like a commemorative thing to do. He's not. We're not. Mm-hmm. You can. You sort of see a coldness and a callousness to it, but you gotta understand that it's not being. He's not doing it out of like, oh, now I have the perfect right. scream or right. something like that. He's he. You do get the impression that there's something sentimental about it, but it's also like, man, what a shitty place to preserve somebody's legacy. <laughs> like, what a terrible thing to put them in. Uh, it is kind of you know the sort of flip side of that, right? You as a as an audience, we all have to sort of have that feeling of like, oh, man, that sucks. Yeah. And then it's going to be such yeah. a good scream that it's going to become like a Wilhelm scream. And it's going to show up in every fucking movie. It's going to be sampled in every fucking <laughs> right. movie. In that case, right, he has preserved her existence. And some, some weirdo on the internet on YouTube will eventually hunt down where it came from and talk to him when he's like yeah. 95 years old. And be like, where did you get that scream? And like, well, actually. And then he's like, this he old can caretaker's man doesn't story. care anymore. Yeah. Can present the entire story and someone will, someone will make a podcast about that. Yeah. And, uh, and 3,000 people really believe in it. Yeah. Uh, the governor of Pennsylvania was murdered. And this guy knows the truth. Only this guy Join knows me the in truth. Join me yeah. in my 10-part narrative podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's brought to you by Better anyway. Health. Yes. <laughs> Do you think that there's... <laughs> Conspiracy yeah. going on Do you think that the, ma- that the 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 future president was murdered? Well, <laughs> talk to better help. Yeah, there's people who uh, can help. If you. If you're right, they'll tell the government. If you're wrong, maybe they'll help you. Either way, they're gonna sell you a mattress. <laughs> uh, Does better help sell you mattress? I don't know. I sorry, I, it's called better help. Better, isn't it? I haven't yeah. watched a po- I haven't listened to better, a podcast with them on it. A lot of people yeah. seem to all simultaneously like, man, we should really fucking stop advertising this. All the same the, time. The reason everyone decided to stop advertising BetterHelp at the same time, and and not everyone has, uh, 
um, I think they're still pretty prominently featured on a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, 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 well, a lot of podcasts in general. Um, but, uh, better help. It came out was making recordings of oh. all your phone calls. Uh, so that an AI could go through them and advertise to you. I did not know about that. things. Interesting. Yeah, that is that is the story as I recall. Well, because like my memory uh, of it, like yeah. when I sort of stopped hearing it on like the one podcast I had that listened to that like had it on there, when they stopped, their justification was this is like a pretty callous thing to like be like sort of deriving like market value from from like quote unquote helping people with their mental health problems and that like yeah. they sort of decided that it wasn't something they that, 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 that like in it's sort of that one of those sort of in hindsight this is maybe not a message we want to send right like this is like a good way to like handle that uh and then that's interesting to find out later from you that like oh right it also apparently they were doing uh they were doing uh healthcare crimes that aren't crimes because yeah. they're not technically therapists or whatever some shit like that yeah. Yeah, well that's that's part of the problem. They're not technically therapists, but they're not only collecting health data that is, you know, what they were you know, the the matter of what right. they were doing, but also encouraging users to submit uh outside health data to them. Health data that they would not normally uh normally have been able to I'm collect. Sorry. I um I was both shocked yeah. and I coughed. Yeah, I mean. So yeah, I mean, that essentially, seems bad. It's, it's good to know that there's less, a reason they disappeared, or, or at least they disappeared for me. Like I said, I had like one vote. podcast that I was listening to that had it in it, and it just stopped. So, part of, I think, you know, it's it's icky, and it's unethical. Uh, but what BetterHelp was doing, you know, was ultimately they were using that data to provide like affiliate links to you you know it's ultimately just such a blase crime as well right right it feels just... so it, that makes it more icky though right that's like that sort right, of amplifies yeah. you broke you're like not even doing a good crime you're doing a shitty crime yeah to me right right yeah yeah anyway um but yeah maybe we should maybe we should write the the blowout version of that podcast and do it narratively um of the history of, of uh... think about for the next couple weeks, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, the ending the ending is bleak, and that's generally what people say is uh, why this movie did not connect with an audience and therefore bombed uh, Travolta's career. Well, I can see if you if you if you had an image of what you wanted out of Travolta. And you came to see this, and you got this like very bleak ending. I could see you being like walking away disappointed. I, that makes sense to me. On the flip side, yeah. I think the ending is one of the better parts of this movie, and and it, it is it is a bit of a it's it's not I wouldn't call it a tone shift because like the movie does sort of move in this direction slowly over time. Uh, yeah, but it is it is interesting that the beginning of the movie is sort of has that sort of lighthearted feeling and a bit goofy that we sort of talked about and it slowly works its way to being kind of pretty bleak it's an it's an odd trajectory to go on it's a bit of a weird ride when you think about it right because you start the movie off with like that weird opening sequence and then you you get 
you pull out and you have that sort of goofiness and there's like it's pretty goofy for a while uh even mm-hmm. after the crime has been committed and they're like doing all these other like they're sort of on the run and stuff to a certain extent it still has a lot of goofy elements that, but then you end the movie in a very bleak way it's it's an odd path i think in 81 uh someone like de palma um would think that the ending of all of the political assassinations he's making reference to are very bleak endings. Right. So to have to have something win, even a small victory, is uh, not reality. Uh, right, right, to, right, right. To the Kennedy assassination, to the other Kennedy assassination, to uh, yeah, to MLK or Malcolm X. You know, I don't know. I don't know De Palma's politics. I don't know how he might have felt about Malcolm X. Uh, on that list but obviously we're making overt references to the Kennedy assassinations here uh, and the Kennedy assassinations were bleak things right, right. for uh, you know for left leaning folk for for you know left of center folk um, and certainly in 1981 as we're <laughs> we've not only Kennedy's the Kennedy's dynasty has been undermined through death through murder um, we've had Nixon, we've had the rest of Vietnam play out, and now we're moving into the Reagan era, I think, De Palma. Right, <laughs> yeah, no, Palma, for, for sure. Like, he's, I mean, he's meaningfully it, it, making it, a bleak ending. Yes, I I, I agree. I, I you know, It does make sense. I, I, I don't, whatever, I'm not saying that it doesn't make sense. It's just that, like, I think that that's, the, that the issue probably for me comes from the fact that, like, the the beginning is so not that, and not mm-hmm. like I said, not just the first ten minutes, but like the whole sort of like first half of the movie isn't fair, isn't very like even though he like rescues her from the car and all this stuff, it doesn't really feel like a political thriller until like the second half of the movie for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's we get the the news is really the only thing that makes it political right you know obviously the entire motive for burke's interactions here are political but jack's not necessarily interested in the political angle of this jack's interested in presenting the truth but jack's borderline apolitical nancy is apolitical even you know i mean she outright states it but she outright states that she doesn't know who the guy was as she obviously does know who the guy right, was, right? Because right? you know, she was hired particularly for a thing. Uh, but but still, you know, someone doing the job that Nancy is doing is someone who has to disconnect from from that aspect of the work too, right? Right. Because she's not she's not she's doing that job for the money and not enough money. She's not doing that job because she has some hatred for the governor or something. Right, right. It's not a political uh, thing for her at all, right? Like, I mean, she is right. just in any more than than any other like job for money is sort of its own sort of political act. But yeah, like she, um, yeah, she's yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's and obviously a a, a good political thriller of the guy who accidentally. Uh, witnesses a thing is uh, that person is often an apolitical entity within the context of the film who uh, you know is ultimately usually uh, radicalized in a way where 
because of the thing that has personally happened to them, wants to present this truth to everyone uh, in order to save their own lives, if nothing else. Um, but, yeah, you know, Jack's Jack's motivation is not that, right? Uh, but no one's motivation is that until their life is on the line in any of these in any of these films, right? right? Not not usually, you know. Uh, and Burke Burke's not explicitly stated to be, but Burke Burke's actions are one of a true believer in whatever the opponent's politics are, right? Mm. Uh, Burke is Burke is somebody who, uh, if he were to articulate it. Um, or allowed to articulate it, believes that the governor being president would be the end to America in whatever that might mean to Burke. Right. right. Um, in context of 1981, in context of the 70s, in context of today, uh, we can implicitly put a lot of political <laughs> politics onto Burke's character. Right. Uh, but the movie, the movie itself is making an active choice not to do that sort of thing. Not to name parties, not to name the president, even right, right. Um, you know, and that's also a choice not to not to tie this to a particular year, I suppose. But it's mostly a choice to not have the audience have a particular emotional baggage attached to the governor. I don't know. Yeah, it's overt reference to Kennedy, of course. So there is that emotional baggage right. too, right? Already. Yeah, it it is so, a, it's an overt reference to Kennedy, but but it's pretty abstracted, right? Like he's not the president. It, yeah. It's more. I mean, well, it's a more yeah, um, like less you know JFK and more Robert Kennedy, right? But like yeah, um, but even then, it, it has the extra element of being like that sort of. I'm trying to remember what it reminds me of, but it's got that sort of extra. It's that more sort of low key in the sense that like. It's it's more like you know because of the tires being shot out and stuff. There's a sort of um, it feels like there's inherently sort of an extra sort of dirty level a level of dirty politics mixed in that like is meant to feel like city politics. You know what I mean? Like the things that like we imagine happen in like the politics of like your 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 city big corruption. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's also an overt reference to. Uh, Chappaquiddick too, right? Right, and right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, all t- it's you know, it's uh, it's all the Kennedys rolled in. Yeah, there. they really just jam- um, they took they had a little blender labeled Kennedys and jammed them all in there and then spun it up. And now that Robert Kennedy Jr. is the only one left, if if this movie were remade today, <laughs> just be a mouthpiece for him, and that's bad. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, the particular reference of the car crash is Chappaquiddick. I I can never actually say that word. Um, Chappaquiddick. Um, though obviously the reverse happens, you know, in Chappaquiddick, the, uh, um, the girl dies and, uh, and Ted Kennedy escapes unscathed. Right. Uh, both, both physically and politically. Right. Um. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to get a De Palma at this point in the collection after we've had the BBS box set uh-huh. that really establishes that new Hollywood thing, and now we get someone outside of BBS 
who is also in that new Hollywood right, situation. Right. And obviously, 1981 were were a decade later than you know, or at least half a decade later than the latest BBS stuff. The BBS stuff is really what establishes new Hollywood. And by the time we roll around here, De Palma was making movies that early. You know, Murder Alamode is from what 68 so uh but murder halamod is also experimental and low budget and obviously made outside of right, right. the studio system uh and uh would not have gotten distribution even from someone as crazy as bbs right um, yeah i mean uh, murder mode is is clearly like the sort of thing that like oh no one's we're showing this to you no one has no one watches this no one's this is not a right. thing very very little watched um <laughs> its first dvd release uh was in 2006 so a few years before the criterion release uh but uh but put out by a distribution company literally called something weird video yeah that sounds about right, um, right? yeah yeah uh <laughs> all checks out who also released movies like Teenage Strangler. Uh Oh good. The so Wizard they are exactly War. that kind of uh that kind of Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And the Magic Christmas Tree. Nice. <laughs> Magic Christmas Tree. I gotta check this out. Nineteen sixty four American Christmas themed fantasy adventure film about a boy who uses a magic ring to bring a Christmas tree to life. And then the it murders then his family. The boy three wishes. No? Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm looking at pictures now. I bet that movie is very weird. I bet that movie is there very... Is ex- uh, there's exactly essentially one clip of this movie out there, and it's just repeated ad nauseum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting. Santa and the Ice anyway. Cream Bunny. I don't know what's going on. I need to get off this page. Oh, that's a that's a riff tracks thing. Santa, oh, is it Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny? Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, De Palma. We have we have more context, I guess, for De Palma and New Hollywood than we would have had when we watched Sisters. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure. Sisters is also. Sisters is maybe doing something different, uh, too. You know, I don't really remember. It's more it of an overt. Well, but yeah. Well, Sisters is from '72, actually. Sisters is right in the middle, um, uh, between the two. The two we get with this one. Interesting. I didn't realize Sisters that was that early. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess it would have to be with Margot Kidder at the age she is. Um, yeah, it was long enough ago that I don't really expect you to. Yeah, like I'm trying to like it's, I'm uh, even like looking like you brought it up a few times and I'm like looking at the art for it and usually like that'll like key in something for me. Like it's doing nothing for me. I have basically no functional memory of this movie. Yeah. Did I like block this out? Are you uh, sure we watched this? Did we skip I'm sure it on that accident? We watched it. Listen, it was Spine eighty nine. It was Jeez. ten years ago that we watched it. So yeah uh i'm not surprised you don't remember much of it and i don't remember much of it i just remember that we watch it um and it was certainly you know at a time where we wouldn't have contextualized 
Brian De Palma in the same. Yeah, movie. like I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> this is crazy. I, it is weird. Yeah. It is weird though when we like talk about a movie that I can't even like key in anything from like the visual data, you know, from like looking at just yeah. like screenshots. I'm getting nothing. I don't remember anything about this movie. Yeah, I don't remember any of these scenes. Oh wow, that's weird. I bet you know that would have been when we were doing three, three a three a yeah. three a week or whatever. And that, that it might have been, yeah, I that would have been. Um, and that was a hard time. Um, I maybe yeah. didn't give the movies their their due. Uh, oh, certainly, we did not due regard. Our first hundred episodes or so, we we were not recording in a way where we really could give the movies their due. So. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. Yeah. And that's well, it's interesting to know that I have a movie that, that I've state. seen that I don't remember any part of. Yeah. I'm sure it happens more often than we like to think. Yeah. It there's just, actually well, there's an episode. I, a lot of times I don't know I think if I've talked about this. Throwaway, like directors only showed yeah. up one time, and so they sort of like it, it never comes up that we have to discuss the fact that we don't remember, right? Yeah. For obvious reasons, I do not remember what film this was, but there was an episode I remember that while I was editing it. I had the thought, I don't remember anything about this movie. Uh-oh. And as as I'm thinking that, and that's only like a three-week delay, as I'm thinking that in the recording, I say, I don't remember anything about this movie, which oh, was nice. two days after we would have watched nice. it. Nice. <laughs> um, so I like how so you, whatever like it you was. had some sort of real serious like mental crisis sort of <laughs> in the middle of this because like you don't remember it at the time. You remember it probably even less now. At the time you're ch- yep. editing it, like that's that's wild. Yeah. That's a very interesting uh, thing, right? To think and about. obviously now, now I don't even remember. Oh yeah, now it. you don't even remember what um, movie it was. Yeah. Which is even better, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I think it is probably just fidelity to Philadelphia of the time, uh, but I did find it interesting and sort of impressive that. The only doctor we meet in the hospital sequence is uh, an African immigrant. Right. Um, good job, De Palma, on that casting. Uh, it's not uh, not something I would have expected from from a movie right. of this time of this type. Well, I I, uh, I actually think like yeah, it, it's kind of a the movie doesn't have a a lot of characters in it total anyway, and they are almost right. all entirely white dudes. Uh, but at the same time, like it doesn't, I don't know it, it. Yeah. There are like little sort of like sort of touches throughout the movie in that sort of way. Right. It, like, yeah, he's, I think just trying to, again, as you sort of called it, like sort of the idea that it's in some ways like a love letter to Philadelphia. It's, I think like, it's one of those movies where he just seems to be trying to capture Philadelphia exactly as close to exactly as it is as he can. Yeah. Which is kind of an interesting thing to, it's, uh, you know, we've talked about that with like, Paris and other things like that, right? Where like directors sort of have a weird right. obsession with like almost trying to encapsulate a place at a certain time in history, and yeah. and it seems like maybe Debalma just had a real weird obsession with trying to capture uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia in nineteen eighty. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, he's from Newark, New Jersey, so it's not like he doesn't seem to have grown up in Philadelphia. Right. But, but adjacent to Philadelphia. So there's that. Um, oh, he was actually raised in Philadelphia and New Hampshire, according to his... Uh, and seven other uh, places, apparently. In, 
We're just going to yeah. keep adding places. In various it. Protestant and Quaker schools, according to Wikipedia. Um, graduating from a Quaker school as well. I wonder if his parents were Quakers or just weirdos. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, Love Letter to Philadelphia. Uh, the movie also establishes pretty early on, but we don't get uh, we don't get follow up on it necessarily that cops are bad, uh, right? But because uh, the uh, the second time he interacts with police, he's actively driving a car through a crowd of police, so it's not like we get to get to see whether or not they are. Uh, um, well, I guess that's the third time because he does have that antagonistic conversation with the police detective at one right. point. Right, and the, the antagonistic um, di- uh, discussion with the police detective is is kind of an interesting one, right? Like it, th- to some extent, you get this impression that De Palma's like trying to like not have there be any like I don't know, like you do like it, you kind of do pick up on his sort of like attempt to be apolitical to a certain extent in that sort of stuff, right? Because he's sort of like the cops, like, well, I mean, I would. It's not. I'm not going to not do my job. You know what I mean? He got. There's a lot of like, yeah, making sure that there's like, well, none of these are bad people. They're all just, you know, are just trying to well, get through the day, kind of thing, right? Kind he's subtler way. about that too, in a weird way, because um, the the cops at the hospital are bad, but they're only bad because they're just following orders and they're following in line with, uh what the governor's assistant is right. taking control of the situation, right? The detective is more nuanced than that. You know, he hates he hates Jack, but he's still going to do his job, yes. But he hates Jack because of not... That's the thing. He hates Jack not because of the incident that had Jack lead the police, or or the police of the police. He hates Jack because Jack was uh, an informant, internal affairs. Jack, he explicitly says Jack got a whole bunch of good cops. Right, fired. he says the, that classic phrase, which is like, yeah. so we get this sort of like this mixed sort of message on this dude, right? Like, I mean, in the end, he's a bad guy because he's a cop. Yeah. Right? But like, it's right. this sort of like, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, gonna do his job but he's also gonna like he hates jack because jack you know like that that phrase which we know from jack's perspective is like not true obviously because these are all dirty cops right like it's this we're kind of like put in a really odd position we're like where everybody sort of balances out right like where everybody sort of comes out neutral yeah well i think as far as the movie's concerned not necessarily for us but Yes, yes, maybe. I'm I'm gonna say I think I think there is a read where you're right. I think there is a read where De Palma is trying to be more uh, subtle in what he's doing. Um, I think it is also, uh, you know, we talked about there was that line from the Harvey Milk documentary that um, you know essentially we've we've turned the investigation of this assassination over to the powers that committed this assassination. Right. Um, and you know there there is an extent to that to which that is true about Jack's interaction with the police too. Not that that detective in particular has been pressured already, but he will be pressured if he right right yeah I if mean, he goes yes, after yeah. this right. Yeah. And it turns out it doesn't matter if he's going to be pressured or not because Burke is too insane uh, and has already already uh, 
committed his back gambit uh, and deleted all of the tapes. Uh, and the scene, the scene where uh, uh, Jack discovers that all the tapes are deleted, and we get that sort of twirling around and rotational, like the like the tape on the reel. Um, you know, it's very it's very De Palma. Uh, I hope um, it's very good, but it's something about De Palma in uh, having the camera do a thing that reflects. Yeah, what is happening he, in the he's story. like very, very sort smart. of literal in that right. way, right? Like he likes. Yeah, it, it's not a bad thing. It's just a kind of goofy element to him that is like kind of built into him right it's sort of like i don't know he just like will do things like that that like i don't know what a lot of directors i don't know would would see as being a very serious thing to do right it's silly to a certain extent but it's also it shows fidelity to this idea of the camera being part of the story right and that's obviously something we get right at the start with a pov shot the camera is definitely part of the story because the character is a you know, the camera is a character in the movie, right? Right. right. Um, and you know maybe maybe he's playing with the idea that that sort of experimentation is rewarded more in genre than it would be in a mainstream movie. Um, and you know this is a genre movie too. The political thriller is it's a, genre. a genre. Well, I mean, yeah, um, exactly. Like it is, and and he. Yeah, that's true, and like I think he he thinks about it that way, right? You get the impression that that's the way he sees. You know, I I, I you don't get the impression that Brandon Palmer takes himself too seriously. I mean, in all seriousness, yeah. like I, I you know, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't. I think that like it has a lot of benefits, and like kind of like allowing the this sort of assassination thrill to be a genre film because I. You say it's a is a genre threat film, and you're right, but that all they all are right, like every everything right. is, and like he, um, I I think to a certain extent his willingness to sort of be a little bit, get a little strange with it, is is him sort of kind of coming kind of understanding that that that's sort of the case, right? That like yeah, you know, you can do you can be a little weird with a, like any kind of film if you want to, right? Like you don't have right. to like. Well, not, this there's is no real rules, right? All right. First off, I have to remind you, yeah, uh, that we're talking about genre using genre film in the way that uh, I understand that. Uses the word genre. But but bear in mind that, that there is like, genre if you're and there's playing that game. You yeah. can yes, the assassination thriller is too. <laughs> Name me one that you couldn't eventually like do that with, right? Like it, it, and break it down to the genre, right? That's, you can eventually do that, that to any film almost. It's like. Because right. the problem is, is that like, and I, and they all have, and they all have tropes, right? Like, I mean, this one is following the assassination thrillers tropes, but again, right. so does every other movie. Like, and I, and I, I am of course a firm believer that this compartmentalizing of genre and literature are, is bad. Uh, it's, it, it undermines art. Um, and we are, we are in a time period where, I think even mainstream film criticism is recognizing that sort of thing because we've had something like the Godfather movies right. that have transcended genre or something to that extent, right? 
Um, and this well, is well, and that, that and that's all, but that it's also part. That's also part of the problem, right? Is that like every time there's a right. film that is a genre film that's really good that the critics really want to like, they like they get to play this like, but it transcends the genre sort of game, right? We're like, but right. the other ones are right. still crap. They're still they're still genre right. crap, right? I like I think Brian De Palma. I, I'm just pointing out that I think Brian De Palma sort of like does recon you know does seem to recognize the sort of holistic elements of that and like kind of wants to fuck around with it a little bit right you know what i mean like does that make sense yeah like he he right he, he does Obviously. seem to grasp the thing he does seem to understand what we're does get what we're talking about and also wants to fuck around and like make people you know because this is a an assassination thriller is not usually got goofy bits in it okay is what i'm saying like right. not intentionally <laughs> right, goofy bits right, right, right. it might have goofy bits yeah. that are goofy on accident but you're like, you, they don't usually have intentionally goof moments in it where, like, he has a bunch of characters do goofy shit. Right. A five minute comedy sequence at the beginning. Well, yeah, uh, and that's the big a, one. But again, there's just like yeah. weird, goofy shit throughout this movie, right? Like, oh, yeah. John DeFolder's character is kind of a weirdo. A lot of the characters you meet are weirdos. The assassin is a weirdo. It's not like, it's not a oh, classic yeah. political assassination. It's done by. A fucking crackerjack box, like using tool asshole who like is like out of his right. mind, right? Like it's, it's not your classic. Yeah. It's just and he's it he's, transcends the genre. He's a parody of the cold. Yeah, he's a parody of the cold calculating right. villain. Yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah, because he thinks he's a cold and calculating villain, and he's not. He's just a dummy who's murdering a bunch of random women. <laughs> yeah, for no trying to like create like yeah like he's yeah exactly. And so like Brian De Palma, I'm just saying has looked at this genre like this genre and done a kind of like hey what what if we got weird with it and seems to and a a part of that is like is sort of saying like hey it's sort of taught is in dialogue with the thing we're talking about about genre being a stupid idea in the first place this whole thing being a a big mess that makes art worse right uh unfortunately that's going to by nature taint john travolta's career because that's not a that's not star making slash continuing thing to have a conversation about with your audience. You know, yeah. you know like that's not that's not that's not good for the careers of your actors per se, unless it's John Lithgow because him being more of a fucking weirdo on screen is only going to help him, not hurt him. Right, 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 right. Yes. Um, and you know. De Palma having fun in and being silly uh, and weird, particularly uh, within an established genre is why I think the first Mission Impossible movie is the best Mission Impossible movie. Right. Despite, despite the very fun action sa- <laughs> sequences of the rest of the I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree, right? But, like the, 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 one, the rest of them have yeah. fun action sequences. But yeah. are basically built but on once, the idea that that uh, Tom Cruise can run yeah. on screen, uh, right? Once once Tom Cruise's sensibilities took over the Mission Impossible franchise, they became, become different movies. Yeah, it became very straightforward uh, as as what they are. Right. Yeah. Whereas, yes. Uh, Whereas the first one is much more interesting to me. Um, yeah, I, I do really I in in particular really ways, like right? Quite a bit. Yeah, so I yeah. agree with you. I don't I don't dislike the other ones. Right. I, they fine. are also interesting they're in fine. their own ways. They, they yeah. are they are interesting in other ways. They are just not that thing. Yeah. Ah. 
but yeah, you know, this is, this is, I watched this movie knowing that it was one that is sort of famously panned when it came out and that it, I knew that this was the movie that supposedly ruined John Travolta's career for a decade, uh, even though he was obviously still getting plenty of work. He made, he made 10 movies in that decade too. Um, I, I wonder maybe if, if John Travolta also viewed this movie and viewed himself as being in a career downturn during that time period. And that's why he became a Scientologist. I wonder if that's the timeline for that. It's possible. But, um, uh, but I watched this, and I, you know, even before I read what uh, what Kale had said about Travolta and comparing him to Brando, I watched this movie, and I actually had the thought, is this why people think John Travolta is a good actor? Because I thought he was doing pretty well in this movie. I know you said yeah, we disagree you weren't on that. as impressed. I, but, I, I think it is, uh, you know, I don't know. I yeah. Like I said, I like everybody else better, but that's fine. Yeah. I think this is a fun movie. I had read that the ending was bleak and people didn't like the bleak ending. Uh, I thought the ending for the time period and the story it was trying to tell was actually very appropriate. I, well, like uh, I said, I, I thought the ending was, I liked the ending of the movie better than I liked the beginning yeah. of the movie. I think John Travolta's acting at the end of the movie is better than his acting at the beginning of the movie. I think in general, yeah. the movie gets better over time. And I so, don't know what so that you means. Just, you just downplayed the Mission Impossible movies for being about Tom Cruise running and then praised the last act of this movie, which is all a different Scientologist running. Well, no, it's all uh, a different Scientologist as, having trouble running through a crowd. That's true. That's to true. a really, and at one again, point he does drive. let's bear in mind, yeah. Brian De Palma can't help himself a kind of goofy way. Like, the entire, of, yes. like, it takes fucking 25 minutes for him to run across this, like, <laughs> plaza. It's so... It's so like it's I don't know he has a little dial labeled like yeah uh like tension I, like goofy tension that he just can't help yeah. like turn too high but I don't mind it at the yeah. end it's silly almost right I know it's very it's a very common trope in movies uh and probably happens in real life uh but cops trying to corral a car with their with their own bodies is always funny. Yes, to yeah, you like, are. You're right about like, that. Putting their arms out and trying to jump in front of it, like they're going to stop it if it rushes him, like it's a bull. I, well, or something. my favorite part like, about no, it is it's, it's an a, entirely it's television it's... fictional thing, right? It's an entire movie fictional, like <laughs> yes, that right. I no I do that. not believe <laughs> like, any police officer has, at least in the last two decades, actively tried to jump jump in front of a car to stop it ever. <laughs> right, right. These um, are the people who have no yeah, obligation yeah, to drive anybody. Remember from like from a constitutional right. on a constitutional level, uh, <laughs> and they know it, and they very much uh, are aware of the fact right. that they do not have to do any work of that sort. Yeah, to continue to get paid and setting setting that entire sequence against even a fictionalized Mummers Parade. The Mummers Parade is an inherently silly. That's parade. it. Yeah. And so like that's the thing, right? Happen, He's just right? got this sort of like edge of goofiness that I don't dislike. Yeah. I just don't know, like, I don't know. Like I said, I didn't think Travolta was bad. I just thought everybody else was better than him. Yeah, okay. Like, he's, to me, doing the worst job of the people in this movie. Like, well, I mean, anybody who's on screen for a significant amount of time, right? Obviously, there's a million bit yeah. part actors, right? Like, I don't, I, I'm just saying it's not bad. It's just, you know, I don't know. He's not as good at 
how do I explain this? Like he's not as good at being straight faced in this in the, while all this goofy stuff is happening to me to me as the others are. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Again, like whatever. Like you like it. I I I mean you like his acting. I I don't dislike the movie. I thought the movie was interesting. It is like I said, it has a very weird you go on a very weird ride with this movie. I will never right, forget right. the fucking owl sequence for the rest of my goddamn life. <laughs> that image is burned into my brain because it's so fucking stupid. It's so silly. His use, his use of split screen and things like that are just so inherently silly, and I love them. Um, you know, obviously we get more like straightforward split screen of phone conversations later, but but the fact that they did it for the owl is yeah, it's just, just so, so it's so like. And like it's so funny that he's like in that one interview with, with the interview with Noah Baumbach, he's like talking about well, you know, we had to work with owls, and that's really hard to do. And I was like, you had to work with owls. <laughs> Where like was somebody demanding the owl sequence? Who wasn't you, Brian De Palma? Because I don't think they turns existed. Out, turns out, Big Owl. Yeah, uh, man, yeah, Big Owl had its hands all over this fucking film, man. Yeah. That's why the owl is not portrayed. He's as like bad. talking about working uh, with frogs and like, there were frogs. Because all I remember was the owl. Point. Yeah, yeah. It's like I don't know. Did Brian De Palma decide that he needed to, uh, <laughs> to get John Travolta into character by actively hiring all of these animals to have John Travolta record? The <laughs> yeah, sound I think himself. so. Right? Like he surrounded that- John Travolta <laughs> with at least one of every, like fucking Noah's Ark out here. Yeah. So he's like, okay, we need you to actually record all of these animals. Maybe, yeah. maybe he's going full like like one of those real real weirdo directors, and he like didn't even tell Travolta there was going to be a car crash. Maybe, maybe. Um, made him go to like Dennis six Rams, weeks, of, like also, made him go to six months of community college to learn how to operate the sound equipment. Yes, absolutely. Dennis Franz also very good in this um, as a fairly minor character, but still <laughs> as a twelve-year-old, like nineteen-year-old man who looks fifty-five. <laughs> yes, he was thirty-seven. I, 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 just, I he was slightly I, younger I than us earlier. He was he's just that slightly because it is still goofy. Um, but yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, and he's he's fun. Uh, Dennis Franz is watching Murder Alamod. Uh, oh, when is he's he? waiting for Sally okay. to show up his apartment in that scene. Did not yeah, notice that's that. one. One reason it's it's on the DVD, I guess, uh, is that there is a more direct connection. I mean, I I, that, I would argue it's hard to have a more direct connection than the one that already existed yeah. without that. But okay, right? The ideological similarities. Yes. Yeah, we also get a joke in Blowout and in uh, Moralamod about schlocky movie houses producing too many movies in a year, uh, but it's <laughs> there's some sort of deflation. Because the joke, the joke in Murdo Alamod is that he made what five thousand movies last year, right? <laughs> like thirty six, I think is what it's actually said. Um, but he made dozens of movies in one year, uh, whereas here the the joke is that the the slasher movie creators have made five films in two years, uh, and and it's ultimately it's a subtle joke about them putting out movies too fast. It's mostly a joke about. Uh, how John Travolta and him are talking like they're old friends and they've actually only known each other for 24 months. Right, yes, got, yeah, yeah, yeah. been constantly working together, um, which is really great. Uh, yeah, the... 
Travolta's character as somebody who's just had a whole bunch of weird jobs I'd like uh, and has somehow ended up as a movie sound effects maker after drumming out of federally investigating bad cops. Uh, and when Sally asks him how he got to do work like that, he just sort of shrugs and says, I don't know, which is apparently improv too. But uh, according to Sally, according to uh, Nancy in her interview. Um, so her reaction of just laughing at that is sort of, sort of, uh, yeah. Um, I like Nancy as a character. Uh, I, you know, I she's introduced. I, she's on. Go ahead, sorry. She's on defense, right? Even even sedated, she's on defense, and she's doing that dumb blonde sort of thing that she's got to be in character as for the people she interacts with on a regular basis until she knows to trust someone. And then, you know, she's still sort of apolitical and incurious moving forward, but she's not dumb moving forward, right? right? Um, she gets, you know, and she's she's on board and she understands the risk of what she does in the final act. It does lead her to a bad end uh, and she should not have agreed to do it. No. But. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because, she, you know, she's she's very she's very smart. Like she actually understand, you know, but like she's still kind of led astray. Right. Like essentially Travolta, like right. she's got the right idea in a lot of like leading up to that and then he sort of talks her into it and 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 like it builds a sort of idea that like you know her death is his fault like straight up like she didn't need to do this shit this this way and also like he's it's kind of a funny thing right because he's his entire career is built on like audio right and listening and like we see him like do like mental reconstruction of the event in his head, which is also a very goofy scene when it split right. screens to see the tire blow out and shit. That is very silly. Right, but then right, he right. doesn't recognize that and that's him. not the voice of the person he talked to on the phone, like, fucking, like... Or they talked to in person. Right. Right. And it takes yeah. him a the full, fact like, that two he does minutes not to realize it's the wrong fucking person, right? Right. The fact that he does not immediately know it's the wrong person is... So, uh, the the most surprising aspect of this... It's it's the only ha- hole in the narrative as far as I'm concerned. It is a little is silly, right? It who, is a, that this man who's spent his entire life focused on audio, who met this person in real yeah. life, and there's like mm, this accent and this person, you know, it doesn't immediately trigger this is the wrong person. Is it is a very silly right. thing. Yeah, yeah, that is that is definitely definitely a problem with the movie. Uh, I agree. Um, I was thinking, you know, and I I think we'd be remiss if we didn't men- uh, draw this out. A little bit uh you know the fact that this is so entrenched in philadelphia and in li- liberty and and the history of philadelphia as uh as the history of america and american politics um and we're talking about this state of american politics where the genie is out of the bottle and a whole bunch of people are getting assassinated over the, over the course of right. 15 years or so um you know, I, I Tobalba is definitely actively making a political point here, right? Even if it's a tongue-in-cheek political point that he himself would not articulate or explore, you know, he's doing this for a wink and a nudge of saying, "Hey, uh, this is America, baby." Um, right? Yeah. No, there's definitely is. There's definitely. Well, it's a very like '80s, like '70s, '80s sort of attitude, right? That 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 sort of. 
thing in art, right? You see a lot of directors sort of engaging with that that sort of idea. Of, yeah, that sort of like, hey, man, it's America. This is what did you expect kind of thing. Kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, that sort of Chinatown ending. Yeah. Right. You know, forget it, Jake. And that's, you know, we get, we get that sort of thing here, too, where uh, Jack has self-imposed this horror on, of remembering. Um, but he is cursed to be the only one who remembers, right? And the only one who knows the, the absolute truth of what, what's going on here. Um, and it's definitely presented as a curse here, right? Um, that curse of knowing. Uh, is I mean that's Greek, right? <laughs> the curse of right. knowing that's that's way old, um, but uh, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, there's so much like you know Sally dies in front of a huge American flag, right? Right, right. yeah. You know, she's there's there's something going on here, um, and you know that's just it is such a quick succession of political murders that uh, completely changed the trajectory of the United States. Right. Re, reroute, rewrite the ship onto the trajectory it has always been on. But, but for a moment, it looked like things could actively change, and then four people get assassinated in the course of five years, and... Right, everything right. goes back to status quo right and not even status quo worse than status quo right i mean yeah it's, it's worth the downturn that, like, sense. It, it is um one has to wonder right like you you kind of get into like this sort of you start getting into i forget which um which writer is but like you know this idea that like one has to wonder to a certain extent if like and this is a very bleak, like black pill sort of idea, but like the idea that, like, to a certain extent, if those are uh, those assassinations are sort of, well, maybe not inevitable, but like something like the system can't, like, sort of handle like that, like was never prepared to allow that sort of change to to happen, and so even if it's not an assassination, because we see like the FBI, you know, when you start like talking about like MLK, like the FBI actively pursuing this, like, you know what I mean? Right. Like even prior, you know, pre assassination, right. The, 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 the FBI is actively trying to discredit him, trying to like write the ship. Right. You can see that the system was already in pursuit of returning to what it considers like the correct path. Right. And so, right. and of course, you know, we, we can look at like this from a very like sort of Marxist perspective and like the fact that like, you know, the, you know, this what what is going to serve capital and stuff like that and this and like certainly right. like people's liberation does not in fact serve capital in any in any regard right um but like you know what what i'm saying is is that like i i understand what you're saying and that we and like people have a lot of hope right and and but at the same time it's worth like thinking about the idea that like you know we all eventually you kind of have to if you spend too much time at you eventually end up in a travolta place where you're like well this is fucking right. inescapable I, I can't i can't get out of like this is not something we could like actually vote our way right. out of i i do think that de palma is approaching this as a disillusioned liberal yeah not I, as a black belt leftist yes i know i know <laughs> so, i know but uh and there's a difference there right um 
But uh, but yeah, I still think that this is something he is actively trying to do within the context of this film is to draw those parallels. I think so. Yes, I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not naming the president serves that. Right. Right. Yeah. And not, you know, there's a certain there's a certain extent where a movie refuses to name the political leanings of its political characters. And yeah, you know, that's, that's still like Veep does that too. Right. They don't name, right. you know, we can see policy and, and what, what, but they don't name what party anyone is. Right. Um, and in refusing to name the party or, or the political leanings, uh, it allows the audience to fill in the gaps and can, can lead to a justification of both sides ism that, uh, is not historically accurate. Right. Uh, so. <laughs> I, on the flip side, though, uh, bearing in mind, as you pointed out earlier, concerning the con, like the sort of historical context and everything, like there's only really the one kind of person who gets politically assassinated. Right. You know what I mean? There's only right. really the one kind of uh, politician. So, like, it's, yes, I understand you're, like, kind of doing the thing where it's like, oh, well, you know, our, our, uh, our you know, you had that, you know, the, leaving it to the, uh, to the audience to fill in the gaps and, you know, it does lead to the, the possibility like, like, but you know, here I think it's, again, I will never say that it like, you know, you, I, we've talked about the idea that it's, it is a dangerous thing to do period to be like I, that. But on the same side, man, I think 90% of his audience drew the same parallel. Like, you know what I mean? Like this one's right, not right. hard. We're, we're in a, we're in a time context where you have to draw that parallel. I will push back for a second and remind you that uh, McKinley's assassin, uh, Leon uh, uh, Cholgosh um, did self-identify as an as a labor organizer and anarchist. Um, and, I I understand uh, that. So. I would like to point out that McKinley was was it was born in 1843. Uh, right, right, right. Like we're well, talking about like in mod in sort of modern certainly. context, only a certain because of sort of the establishment of like sort of the hegemony that we exist in now, combined with like almost the complete eradication of sort of like left like like true radical left like put like yeah. the activism in that way especially within the united states only one kind of politician gets assassinated adam right in the last hundred years in the in the modern state yeah uh and you know historical president one could argue well the very first politi- uh, the very first presidential assassin was a was a republican i'll remind you but uh but it was uh, the republican when the republican party was still uh uh anti-capital uh <laughs> listen like read 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 lincoln's speeches about uh yeah i mean it's just you and know and obviously like, there were like you know there were deep Lincoln political reasons in the, in the and context we do not... of similar right. to like mckinley where you're talking about like a very specific time context where like r- radical left political action was still like a thing that hadn't right, been completely right. and, stamped out by extremely aggressive policies throughout the like mid to late 19 era 1900s right and we don't we don't need to get into the nuance of Lincoln's uh, opinions on the races no. uh, to point out that very obviously the motivation of Abraham Lincoln's politi- political assassination and his assa- his assassin's motivation was uh, that they at least interpreted Lincoln as uh, about to give black people equal rights. Right. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah that it yeah so 
Uh, yeah, you know, Lincoln is is part of that. Only one sort of politician gets assassinated. McKinley is sort of an exception, I think. Right. <laughs> but, um, uh, but then again, I don't know a lot about McKinley. Uh, yeah, more yeah, about his assassin. I don't than know. About I him, don't probably. know anything about McKinley other than the fact that, like, yeah, you know, the things you've just told me, basically. I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. there. I but then again, like we can't. Yeah, we talked about like this is an unnecessary point, but like yeah, like we can't really include Lincoln in this discussion period because again, historical right. context because he's not a modern so president yeah. either. Right. Um. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Boy, sure. I'm sure all the people watching this movie drew the same conclusions that we did with regards to who right. these are. About. Absolutely. Right. Is no point. way. No way. Not to. And you know you're you know I keep trying to broaden it, but you're very right to say this is this is possibly about one Kennedy, maybe about up to three Kennedys, right? But still, always about the Kennedys, right? So, um, yeah, uh, I thought it was a really fun movie. I am really happy to have watched it. It is time that we draw this one to a close. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So we've been talking about Blowout from um, Brian De Palma, 1981. Also a little side trip to Murder Alamod from 1972, also by Brian De Palma. Next week, we'll be uh, talking about Something Wild, Jonathan Demme's 1986 film. Uh, Look forward to that. But thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I'm, as always, Liam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oatari Dorian. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. has been Lost in Criterion, hosted by me, Adam Glass. Find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My co-host is John Patrick Ovatari Dorgan. You can find him on Twitter at jpatrickdorgan. Big thanks to Jonathan Hape for our theme song. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service. Also, thanks to all our Patreon supporters, iTunes reviewers, and Redbubble customers. And hey, thank you for listening. <laughs>